This is our number It's time for the fastest 15 minutes of the news. This is Dory's Fastest 15. Oh, it's a world of news and a tidy little 15-minute package just for you. Welcome to our Fastest 15. And God, man, I'm a little excited to hear about this for very selfish reasons. Uh, Because Nicole was off on Friday enjoying the Christmas gift. That I got birthday and Christmas. It was kind of a combo because I, I don't remember what I got you for your birthday, but uh, I remember it kind of it wasn't very good. Uh, well, n- nothing. Oh I yeah, think yeah. Because yeah, this so I'm right. It wasn't qualifies. very good. <laughs> yeah. So I had to I had to make this uh you know a, a big double spectacular. That's right. Well, I appreciate that, and I I do know sometimes you ask for help with my gifts. I've heard. Right. And uh, and this, I hear, was all on your own. It was. It was a very great gift okay. that you thought of all by yourself. So uh, you you got front row. Was it kind of center, too? Middle? Oh, it was dead center. Dead center, front row, Luke Bryan in Las Vegas. Yeah, here's a little Luke. All okay. the boys want to wind you up and take you yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a I have never actually had tickets for front and center. I've stood up there, you know, when there's a big group of people and you have just standing room only, things like that. But right. to actually have a place, I mean, we did stand the whole time, but we had, you know, lots of room around us and and we just stood with the stage probably at chess level. So, right. I mean, it was almost awkward because he's right there. I mean, well, pretty you're... much staring at his crotch the whole night. Right. Yeah, Brandy Cruz took a video of you kind of dancing and and Luke Bryan it, it made me uncomfortable because he was he was like shaking his his stuff <laughs> right right in front of you yeah it was quite the experience yeah, <laughs> yeah. but but no it was, feel, it was feel, very fun I, I don't know <laughs> for sure uh, not something you get to do all the time no is it no, no let's go back to the second Okay. You and Brandy stood the entire time? Oh, yeah. What are we going to do, sit in front of him? That's crazy. Well, I don't know. Did it, was everybody, I mean, what about the people in the, in row two right behind you? Were they oh. standing? Well, we were up at the stage, so our seats were probably five feet behind us, and then row two. So, uh, no, we're, it's just us standing there right in front of them. Oh, so you weren't blocking of the people behind you, even if they wanted no, to No, I mean, no, because, uh, you know, the stage is starting at our chest height about five feet ah, up or so so okay. um so yeah no there was plenty of space and we weren't blocking anyone's view okay yeah well, good i'm glad i'm glad it worked out it was fun i mean it's vegas you know so i think that all, i i assume this maybe happens to a lot of performers as they have a few drinks before the show and sometimes makes it even more entertaining really was he kind of tipsy oh yeah that's irresponsible <laughs> If you're, a if couple. you're an entertainer, yeah, you you shouldn't be drinking or smoking before the show. You should yeah. give the audience your all. Well, you just got to know your limit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. you know, the audience was probably right there with him, right? <laughs> I don't know. Brandy and I were. 
Were you? Possibly. Why wouldn't we be? <laughs> There's no reason why not. We had dinner at one of your favorite places. I don't know if the dinner places, but right across the street from the Bellagio, so that you could like they had the um, they had the uh, heaters on and stuff, so you could sit outside because it's pretty cold in Vegas right now. But, oh, at, um, at the at the Paris, yes, I know exactly where you were. Yeah, so we sat out there, had dinner, watched the fountain, then went to Luke, and yeah, it was great. See, that's a weekend right there. Yeah, it was a great weekend. Good. Yeah, and oh, then when uh. Saturday night we went to Gillies, which is uh, at Treasure Island, and mm-hmm. it's a country bar and with a bowl and all that. Watch people ride the bowl. We did not ride the bowl. I we were ladies in dresses. I don't understand anything about Treasure Island now because I, uh, a friend and I went a couple months ago to Vegas for a weekend, and we went to Treasure Island. Just uh, we were walking the strip. We did pop, pop in here. It was uh, like 11 a.m. on a Saturday. And so it started as pirate ships, and and it was like uh, Adventure on the High Seas right. was the theme. And then you go inside, and they have country western bars and and barbecue places. And I don't know what it's about now. It's well, all mixed up. They don't they don't have any theme anymore. I agree. They kind of lost the. I they don't think they do way. those shows right. They don't do the shows out on the water anymore. I don't think, I don't they, think do they do the pirate ship yeah. fight show, that which was is cool. really good. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, uh, no, it's got the Mexican restaurant on the right, and then it's got the, yeah. or I think it's Cabo Wabo, right? They have that on the right, and then they have, uh, yeah, Gillies on the other the side. But, I mean, the line's nuts to get in. We had to slip some money to the bouncer to get us in. <laughs> what does it take? How much you guys slip a bouncer? <laughs> hundred bucks a pop. No! Yeah. No, you didn't. Yes, we did. We did not want to wait in that line, and I had some friends already in there. So, uh, yeah, we we did it. Brandy you, did it. <laughs> you, and, you gave the bouncer a hundred bucks each to avoid that, a two-hour line. Yes, and you would have done it. And would it, did it take a hundred bucks? What, what if you'd each? What if you'd give them a hundred for the two of you? I don't know. That was the number that was thrown at us by the other bouncer. Said, "Go give that bouncer hundred bucks each." Wow. And we're like, okay, wow. but um, but yeah, no, it ain't cheap to go to Vegas. And then do they split that? With the I don't rest know of the employees? because do they pocket that. In this case, so you got wristbands to go in, right? And so he had a pocket full of wristbands, and we handed him some hundreds, and he handed us a couple of wristbands. We put them on, and then we got to walk in. Wow. I mean, those guys, they could make thousands a night doing that. Yeah. Wow. And, I mean, well, I shouldn't give away all my secrets, but then I had a couple more friends show up, and so Randy slipped off her wristband. I took it out to them. We came in. They took one hour out. So we we got our money's worth because I got two more friends in with our wristbands. <laughs> all right. Well, Merry Christmas. Happy birthday. Thank Glad you very much. Out. It was a great experience. Good. It was really fun. Good. I'm really happy to hear that. Oh, all right. Let's we also went to this. a whole spa day. What's that? We did a whole spa day. Look at you, girls. Five hours of spa. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else do you do in Vegas when there's craps. no sun? I know you play games, but we don't play a lot of table games or anything like that. And so, yeah, we. I mean, that's the the Vegas winter hack is just to go to the Caesar spa and spend five hours in there. Cause you just, they have three different hot tubs, plunge pools, ice room, which hmm. 
wandered around there for five hours. It was great. I almost came down Saturday night just to take you guys to, to a craft <laughs> You should have. That would have I, been great. I almost did, but next time pop up. We're going oh, back in February for Adele. Yeah, fastest 15. Three assistant principals in Whatcom County have been charged with failure to report a sexual assault. This is a really shocking story. So a um, a girl says that she was sexually assaulted by a boy at Squalicum High School. The girl is 15, the boy is 14. And she told administrators about this, but they did not, they reportedly did not Tell the police. And you're a mandatory reporter if you're a school employee. And so I was reading uh, the backgrounds of these three administrators, Jeremy Lauzow, Megan Dunham, and Maud Shamir. And not to my surprise, I find out that uh, Lauzow is a graduate of far-left Evergreen State College, had been the dean of students at Squalicum High School, that another one of these administrators also went to Evergreen State College. It just seems like the further left you go, for reasons I will never understand, because it used to be that the left were about protecting women and women's rights, and now the far left is about denying that women even exist and saying that women's sports should be ruined by letting biological boys and men play women's sports. And then you have a story like this where these kids uh, at Squalcom High School, it just makes me wonder, why wouldn't you report this to police? What What is going on that a girl says she was sexually assaulted and then... Does not it does not get reported by mandatory reporters to police. Here is Channel Four, ComoNews.com. They were covering this about how the principals didn't do what they were supposed to do. Bellingham police say a 15-year-old girl reported to Jeremy Luzau back in January that a 14-year-old boy at Squalicum High School sexually assaulted her in November and December of last year. She was told a safety agreement would be put in place, but police say the boy violated it four days later. A few weeks later, the girl reported the sexual assaults to police. Police eventually arrested the 14-year-old boy, and on Friday, those three assistant principals were issued criminal citations. Now, the school district says all three are still working and were not placed on administrative leave. How and why can this be? Why wouldn't you know as a mandatory reporter, that you have to take this to the police, and yet it gets sat on. Now, maybe they didn't believe the girl's story, but honestly, it's not their job to determine that. You go to the police. That's what it's about. That's what being a mandatory reporter is all about. So uh, we'll follow that story and try to find information as to why. This did not go down the proper law enforcement channels. But again, it's people who are undoubtedly far, far left. Evergreen State College grads who get into high school administration and then follow only their own set of rules. Makes you wonder. Uh, Nationally, our transportation czar, Pete Buttigieg, 
Do you realize he's been talking about how we all need to conserve, we all need to get away from carbon emissions. Pete Buttigieg, it's just been revealed, and he now confirms, has taken 18 trips on taxpayer-funded private jets since he took office to tell all of us that we need to reduce carbon emissions. And also, interestingly, do you remember when Trump was president? And he had a Health and Human Services cabinet member named Tom Price. And Tom Price took uh, some private plane trips back in 2017. Well, there was a media outcry, an uproar, and Tom Price had to resign from Trump's cabinet. So now let's see if the media is going to be consistent. But Pete Buttigieg, he checks a box that the media doesn't like to ever violate. And so I'm guessing that Pete Buttigieg, the stinking hypocrite that he is, the one who's been telling all of us that if you don't like the high price of gas, buy a $60,000 electric car. Well, he has taken 18, on the taxpayer dime, 18 taxpayer-funded private jet trips, the hypocrisy of the left remains just on full display. And then, how about this? Donald Trump on his truth social media. Over the weekend, Trump said, last week, of course, the Biden administration traded a guy they call the merchant of death for a WNBA player. We have a Marine still sitting in a Russian prison. The Marine is... I don't know. I don't know how he has any hope of getting out because Biden gave up the one most valuable chip that he had in any negotiations like this. Paul Whelan is the name of the Marine. Trump says that when he was president, Russia offered a prisoner exchange of the Marine, Paul Whelan, for the merchant of death, Victor Boot. But Trump says he turned it down. He wrote. I turned down a deal for a one-on-one swap of the so-called merchant of death for Paul Whelan. I wouldn't have made the deal for a hundred people in exchange for someone that has killed untold numbers of people with his arms deals. I would have gotten Paul out, however, just as I did with a record number of other hostages. The deal for Brittany Griner is crazy and bad. The taking wouldn't even have happened during my administration. But... Who knows if Trump's telling the truth about that. But he says that even a one-for-one swap for Paul Whelan wasn't good enough. And the Biden administration continues to take unbelievable criticism. All the Sunday shows this weekend, uh, swapping the merchant of death for a WNBA player, just looks crazier and crazier with every day that passes. And then uh, the Twitter file, a brand new, I haven't had time to really go through it, Twitter Files 5 was just released right as I got on the air today. But there's a lot more interesting stuff coming out from Elon Musk and Twitter. He says that one of the, Elon Musk, says that his two new pronouns are impeach and Fauci. Of course, everybody's, oh, he's transphobic, that Elon Musk. Is it? No, it's kind of a joke, but... He thinks that Fauci should be impeached. And he says that the more he gets into the 
Twitter files on Anthony Fauci and how the pharmaceutical companies did play a key role in the recommendations that Fauci was giving to America as tens of millions of people got injected and wore masks. And Fauci is stepping down at the end of this month. But Elon Musk says that we're going to see in the days to come some of the other things that Fauci did to try to push the pharmaceutical company's plan to transfer as much money from the taxpayers to their coffers. So more to come on all of this. And that is your Fastest 15. This has been the fastest 15 minutes in the news. Fast, 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 Dory's Fastest 15. Your 15 minutes will give you the world. Coming up next, another example of how gross incompetence by the city of Seattle is going to cost the taxpayers $10 million, very possibly, because they had a mistaken name on a blacklist that led to a man's heart attack being fatal. I'll talk to you, the attorney in this case, next, here on the Dory Monson Show. Well, as we told you last week, a family has now filed a $10 million lawsuit against the city of Seattle for the wrongful death of a man named William Urich. The attorney representing the family is Mark Lindquist. He joins us here on the Dory Monson Show. Mark, always good to talk with you. Oh, thanks, Dory. Always good to be on your show. All right. So uh, there's just a an absolutely heartbreaking story, especially with uh, the 911 call tapes of this 13-year-old boy calling, reporting the medical emergency for his father. 911, what is your emergency? My dad's not okay. I don't know what's going on. He's hurt. Walk, walk me through just what transpired as this boy was trying to get help. Mr. Yurik, his father, was suddenly having trouble breathing, and he was having chest pains. And so his 13-year-old son did what you would hope you know your own child would do, which is got on the phone and called 911. Uh, the dispatcher uh, had medic units dispatched, and there was somebody there pretty quickly, five or six minutes. The problem was they didn't go in because Mr. Yurik was mistakenly on a blacklist for being combative to law enforcement or first responders. But Mr. Yurik had never been combative with law enforcement or first responders. It was a previous tenant. The list was wrong. So the medic so sat thinking, outside the residence. So thinking that he was on the blacklist. We do have a caution note on this occupancy that the resident of Unit 203 has a history of threats and says that it needs to be accompanied by you to secure the scene. The protocol was medics could not enter unless police were there with them. Is that right? That's correct. And I understand and the family understands that the safety of first responders matters. Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, you can't have, if it's a life or death situation, obviously you can't have somebody on a list when they have never been on that list to begin with. So how long, since the medics responded so quickly, how long did it actually take for them to get into the apartment? Yeah, and 
Dora, you hit one of our main points here, which is when you're keeping a list people's lives depend upon, that list has to be accurate and up to date. And to answer your sure. question, the 13-year-old, again, acting remarkably level-headed under the circumstances, called 911 a second time. And in the second call, he repeated that, you know, his father's having difficult breathing, he's having these chest pains, and that the kid thinks he's having a heart attack. And after the second call, the 911 dispatcher called the second unit. But meanwhile, the unit that was sitting outside, they became aware of the second call and they actually decided they couldn't wait any further for a police escort. And they went in against their own protocols before the police even arrived. Unfortunately, okay, and so it was, yeah, just, unfortunately it was about yeah, 13 right. minutes after the, they arrived and that delay was critical. Okay. And so have you figured out since this is something that, I mean, a tragedy that was so avoidable, uh, have you figured out how and why Yurik was placed on this on this uh, do not enter list? I, I know you said it was a previous tenant, but wouldn't that be connected to the name of that previous tenant? Yeah, good, good point, Dory. And no, it's not connected to the name. Uh, it was a previous tenant, but the caution notes or the blacklist go by address rather than connecting a name to that address. And obviously that's problematic because people move. That's especially true in apartments. People move. Sure. Uh, Mr. Yurt's been in this residence in the building for about 10 years. And it's my understanding he'd build in, been in the unit itself for a couple of years. And they just never updated the list. Has that been rectified by the city? I know that a lawsuit like yours uh, is significant enough that they can't afford too many of these lawsuits. But has the city already rectified this? I don't know the answer to that. We hope they will rectify it. One of the points of the lawsuit is that it needs to be rectified. But we won't find out what remedial measures they've taken, if any, until we get further into the discovery. You know, the part of the litigation phrase where you start interviewing people and submitting questions. I mean, the city of Seattle, I don't know how much more they can take of this because, uh, you know, you and I have talked before. You're representing the family of one of the teens who died at Chaz Chop. Uh, by the way, what's the, is there any update on in that case? That case is, the Chop case you're speaking of, the wrongful death that arose out of Chop, is still pending on appeal from the Ninth Circuit, uh, but we're feeling optimistic about it and expect to be back in court in January or February on that. But we'll see, and I'll certainly keep you updated, Dory. I mean, it's, it's just amazing to me, Mark, that the city of Seattle, I was I was just looking this weekend for, for another reason, at all of the job postings and the 10,000 employees that they have and how bloated the government is, in my view, and yet... They they can't keep up the very basics that are necessary for the safety of the citizens. And it's, it's just, it's absolutely amazing to me how bloated the government seems to be and yet that they, they can't get the basics right. But I mean that, that to me indicates grossly misplaced priorities on the part of the city. Yeah, priorities. I think that's a good point, Dory. I mean, in government, everyone from Bill Clinton to Ronald Reagan agree that public safety should be a top priority. And that doesn't appear to be a top priority in Seattle of late. In this case, for example, there's just so many problems here. And one of the other things to be aware of, Dory, is even though this is the first time we're aware of that somebody died because this list was mistaken, it is not the first time 
something like this happened and the list was mistaken. The difference is the Seattle Police Department, when they were fully staffed, would usually get there about the same time or even before the medics. So even though the list was mistaken, it was a moot point because the medics got in there as soon as they arrived. Uh, but here, once the, the Seattle Police Department was grossly understaffed, the police got delayed, and that delayed the medics, and Mr. Yerg died. And, and, and not only did the man die, but I, I presume if his son was the one calling 911, his son was probably there as they were trying to unsuccessfully revive his father? Yeah, I mean, Dory, this obviously is devastating for the entire family, but particularly, as you can imagine, for the 13-year-old who did everything right and still watched yeah. his father die in front of him. Unbelievable. All right. Well, I'm hoping that uh, the, the cases like this are going to spur the city to reprioritizing public safety. But uh, I don't know. It's, it seems like almost a futile effort right now to call for that because they're so far from from making that the top priority, which, as you said, is, should be the number one consideration of our government. Mark, it's always good to talk with you. I appreciate you taking the time this afternoon. I appreciate it, Dorian. I'll keep you posted as we move forward on this. We, we're hoping we'll see accountability from the city and some reform. You got it. All right. Mark Lindquist representing the family of the man William Urich, who died because the poli- the first responders, the medics, had an outdated blacklist, a previous tenant at that address that told them they couldn't go in. It was wrong, and that man died because of it. All right. Love to hear your thoughts on all of this. You can text me at 888-973-CAIRO, 888-973-5476. And we have lots more to come here on The Dory Monson Show. Insanity continues. So you may recall last week, I played you audio of the NHL commissioner. He says that he wants to make hockey more diverse. And one of the ways he wants to make hockey more diverse is by getting more biological women playing NHL hockey, which, of course, is an impossibility because the the you know greatest woman hockey player is better than 95% of the men but she ain't better than the top 5% men who play in the National Hockey League so it's uh but but this is what the NHL commissioner said he wanted to make a goal for his league looking at the hockey landscape in 5 years what does progress look like to both of you Commissioner Bettman. To me, to, to me, progress looks like uh, that we become more reflective of the communities in which our teams play, that there are more black players of both sexes, players of color of both sexes, and that we are more diverse than we've been. What? This is the NHL commissioner. And he says something that he knows is absolutely physically, biologically impossible to have biological women play at the very highest level. It is an impossibility. Brittany Griner is considered one of the greatest women's basketball players. She could not play on 
a top 20 D1 college men's team. She's just not good enough. So uh, the commissioner, but you, you heard what he said. He wants to get more black people, men and women, and people of color, men and women, playing in the National Hockey League. Well, they now have taken another step in that direction. The National Hockey League promoted a team trans tournament. And in it, one of the games featured Team Pink, mostly male to female transgender teams, so biological men. And they played Team Black, a mostly female to male transgender team. So biological women. So it was biological men playing against biological women. No, I saw a picture of all of these players standing next to each other. The On the biological men's team, they stand about a foot taller. Some of them. Numbers 1, 9, 42, and 90, if you look at it. They look like they're a foot taller than the women that they're playing against. And we can now tell you that in that game of men against women, there was a catastrophic moment a severe injury was was caused uh that one of the team black players number 91 a woman she was pushed to the ice by number 90 on team pink a biological man uh who, who publicly describes uh, himself as a bisexual trans woman but it was three minutes left in the first period, and the size imbalance was so great because it wasn't a particularly vicious hit. It wasn't a dirty hit, but the size imbalance is so great that the the woman was propelled headfirst into the boards uh, and got a concussion. She was laying on the ice for 17 minutes before medical personnel arrived with a stretcher and carried her off. What are we doing here? This is in the name of equality? We're going to women ruin women's sports? We're going to give severe injuries to women? There was that volleyball game we told you about a few weeks ago, where a high school volleyball, biological man, tall, to jump out of the gym, delivered a spike estimated at 70 miles an hour, and the woman on the other side took it in the face. And she got a concussion. But she's a woman or a girl who had only played against girls her whole life, and she wasn't used to a spike coming at her face at 70 miles an hour. So she just, her reflexes hadn't prepared her for the kind of spike that a tall 6'4 man who could jump two feet above the net, could deliver. So she gets a concussion. And that was at a high school where the parents had no say whatsoever. They they postponed the match, and they wouldn't allow the team with the boy to play the rest of the season because it was too dangerous. So what is it? Is it going to take somebody being killed? But... The other question that is so fundamental to all of this, this is the one that bothers me the most. Why is there such a an effort to deny who and what women are, to destroy women's sports, to say that women don't exist? Why, why has this become the 
absolute religious call of the radical left. Women don't exist. Gender doesn't matter. Men play against women. If they get concussions, those women, they probably shouldn't have been playing anyway. And then there's this, uh, Navy SEAL. He uh, decided to transition to a woman. His name is Chris Beck. But now he has transitioned, detransitioned. He's transitioning back to being a man because he said it was a cult that made him convinced that he should transition to a woman in the first place. But why we're here today is because of everything happening in America with this transition craze that's going on with kids. You have something that you want to tell the world. What is that? Everything you see on CNN with my face, do not even believe a word of it. Everything that happened to me for the last 10 years, it destroyed my life. I destroyed my life. I'm not a victim. I did it to myself, but I had some help. Transgender ideology is is cultish, and it's not science-based at all. They take that desire, that innate human desire to want to change and to want to help people, and they use it, just like a cult leader would. And the parents are so desperate to fit in with this ideology because of the fear of the us-them. They don't want to be othered. So now they're using the children as these trophies of like, look at me. I have a child that I'm accepting of. The trans Navy SEAL who's detransitioning, getting free from the cult. But yes, I agree. Parents, I don't know what they're thinking in aiding and abetting this. Also, they can avoid being canceled. It's ridiculous. Okay, quick time out here. We'll check the news for you at the top of the hour. And then the big lead at two is coming up next here on the Dory Monson Show.